Hey, folks, it is Friday, June 18th, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on the West Coast. This is Success Never Sleeps, and I am Brandon Beliso, martial arts influencer, multi-school owner, and disruptor for the martial arts industry, where we take your questions and collectively, as a whole, we sit and come up with some amazing answers to help you, help you improve upon your life, professionally, personally, socially, emotionally, in your business, your relationships, growing your team, every aspect to do what? Live your best life. I want to begin by thanking my sponsors as always. We have none other than my studio, simply the best CRM system out there. We'd be loving my studio. Uh, We also have Kids Love Life Skills. If you're a martial arts school owner that caters to kids, you need Kids Love Life Skills, simply the best in character development and life skills education. Then, of course, we have LC Accounting, right? She does bookkeeping for a lot of people in our industry. Very grateful to have her as part of my team at LC Accounting. And the show, folks, you know, the show is really about the opportunities that, that, that we offer each other to grow. It's like a discovery session, right? And when you discover, um, I think what, what I dig about it, what I dig about it is that magic happens just through conversation, just through the ability to, you know, raise your hand and ask a question, right? So many times I think as a black belt, as a master, you don't want to look dumb. Well, hey, the only dumb question is the one you're not willing to ask. So please ask those questions. For all the people that are joining us from the It's Time Live group mentoring group, you know, it's a great group. Recently, every month we do a different subject. We do some live Zoom webinars as well as there's written stuff and videos. And we have a social media page that we work together. Really, it's that networking that I think helps small business owners become more successful. But you want to network with like-minded people that share the same values. So if you want to grow your biz from 10K to 50K a month, then you got to reach out, reach out and be part of our It's Time group mentoring. So what else is going on? It's Time Life Change, November 13th through 16th. I got to invite you to that. That's going to be a wonderful event. It's a four-day retreat uh, that we offer first. So far, we have 20 people booked, only seven spots left. It really is about personal development. It is about mind mapping. It is about understanding what you want your business to look like in three to five years from now. It's really about creating your version of success and filling in all the dots, right? We have Sam on coming out. Sam on is, is, is one of my financial uh, mentors. I dig Sam. He's a good soul. He's going to share with us how we can be a small business owner, which he is, and turn it into healthy retirement, sustainability, and growth. So do come join us for It's Time Live Change. I see a lot of people coming aboard. As you come aboard, please put in your questions. Let me know where you're tuning in from because my objective today is to make sure that I answer your questions. Cool. So I'm going to take the first one right here. What is the best way to increase enrollment in your martial arts school? You know, That's such an open-ended question because I don't think there's a best way to market your martial arts school. I think there's many ways 
to market your martial arts school. And it's really about having unique niche. If we think of something like Tom's, right? The shoe Tom's, their, their whole angle of marketing was for every pair of shoes we sell, we're going to donate a pair, right? To somebody in a third world country. I thought that was really powerful. And that was their angle, right? Or in this case, that was their purpose. So I believe greatly in community-based marketing. And you as a small school owner, I do believe, yes, you need a great Google business page. Yes, you need to run Google ads. Yes, you need to have your Facebook group set up as well as your business page. You need to run Facebook ads. I do believe those things need to happen. But what I'm really... I understand in our business, we want to own a three to five mile radius of our brick and mortar location, right? You've got this brick and mortar store. You want to own that. You want to own that. You want to own that? How else can I say that? You want to own that. So for me, I know for me, it's it's real important that I'm in the community. So we do things like we sponsor Little League baseball teams, right? We got our logo on their back, but we don't stop there because they hang a nice big banner on all the different fields uh, throughout our county, which I think is powerful. But we also go through the effort of going to the opening game. We bring uh, goodie bags for all of our players. We wear one martial arts gear. You know, we do. We can take an opportunity like that and really amplify it tenfold. When the season's over, we hold an awards party at our school for that little league baseball team. So they come to our school. They instead of going to freaking pizza parlor, they come to us and do martial arts games. They eat pizza. We you know we even take care of the trophies. So see, you can take. An opportunity like that, it can be minimal, where you simply give them a monetary donation so you get your name on the uniform and then you get your name on a banner or you can take it a step further by showing up at opening day. Take it a step further by offering them a party at the end of the season. You see where I'm going with that? So it's really about knowing that. Here's another example. We have a thing called the Fun Run. It's done with all the different schools and and. The Millbury Lions Club donates pancakes and sausage. So when you finish this little fun run, right, it's a community event. What do they have? Pancakes and sausage. We took a look at that and said, hmm, well, what can we do better? Is it okay if we donate blueberries, strawberries, whipped cream, you know, granola to put on top of those pancakes? And they said, well, absolutely. You're more than welcome to do that. So here we were, not in uniform, just in a one martial arts t-shirt at the end of this pancake and sausage line, we're giving out blueberries and strawberries and things of that nature. So there's another opportunity, right? We do back to school night at many of the local elementary schools and we bring out our cotton candy machine for free and we dole out cotton candy on back to school night. Again, if you think of something like professional sports teams, you notice how they got the different logo, right? Rakuten, Staples, whatever on their uniform. What's the name of some of these stadiums? Staples Center. What does Staples, the office, you know, supply company have to do with basketball? Nothing. So that that type of brand association, when you can associate your brand with something that goes on in your community really, really strong, I think that's only to your advantage, right? The challenge is people will say, well, what's your ROI? What's your ROI? What's your return on investment? I don't believe Staples can measure that, right? They have the Staples Center where the Lakers play. I don't believe they can measure that. Chase Center where the Warriors play. I don't know if they can actually truly measure that. If there are any KPIs, key performance indicators that can truly measure how much is their ROI. You feel me? So it's really about 
your value and your purpose and how you want to align yourself in the community. And I know constantly we hear it through social media. We hear it everywhere. Wow. One martial arts is a business that cares. One martial arts is a business that gives back. We hear that constantly. So along with that type of um, the way people view our company and our business is that sense of community and they support us. We've had great support through the challenges that have gone on in the past year and a half, and it continues to do so. So I think that's that's big. Community-based marketing for me, because I want to own the three to five mile radius of my brick and mortar location, really is my focus, right? I do want to go out there and do school talks and things like that, but we do them much differently. We do reader of the day, where again, we go on a one martial arts t-shirt, we take our focus book, right? The Adventures of Brante, the focus book. We go in there with student parent discovery sheets with focus, call to action, the coloring sheet, uh, focus badges, and reread from classroom to classroom. Right? People that post pictures, here I am at this elementary school, big assembly, 300 people. That does not wow me. You know why? That feeds your ego. How effective can you truly be with kindergartens up to fifth graders in the same room? It's it's. Different demographics. The way I would speak to a kindergartner is not the way I speak to a fifth grader. So I want to make sure that we go that extra mile. I remember the first time I took one of my guys with me to do that. And, you know, we're going 30 minutes in this classroom, 30 minutes in this classroom, 30 minutes in this classroom, 30 minutes, lunch break, come back 30 minutes in this club. He goes, why don't we just do a big assembly and, and get it all done in one shot? Because we had to go back to that school for two or three days because I said it's a better Disney experience if we go into just that classroom, who's with me on that? You know, give me some emojis in there. Who, who, who can see that? Who can see that picture? Can you see that picture? Right? Am I more effective teaching a class to 30 people or to a class of 300? I'm much more effective teaching a class of 30. So going into that classroom really endears you with that teacher as well as you reach those kids. And imagine when that kid gets picked up from school right? They're going to get picked up from school. They're going to have the student parent discovery sheet learning about focus. They have the coloring sheet on the back, you know, and then they'll get the focus life skills. And it says, you know, thank you to One Martial Arts for allowing us to be speaker of the day at your elementary school, bringing this coloring sheet for one free class. That works for me all day, all day, all day, all day. So it's really about looking at these different opportunities and cultivating something innovative. And I mean, innovative in the sense that you are in tune with your community, you understand your demographic, and more importantly, you understand how to best serve them. All right. How to best serve them. Not, hmm, how many leads can I get out of this? How many leads? Well, what can I get? What's my ROI? That's not genuine. That's not authentic. We do know the byproduct is we will get leads because we're creating that awareness. We're planting seeds. So if and when they are ready, to sign up for martial arts, they're going to come to you. See, that's a big thing I understand. I know that they're not ready for martial arts. If they were, then they would be knocking on my door. And that's why I'm very big on you know, our Google business, which we've been cultivating for years. We rank on the top of page one in both locations. And that's because we've been cultivating that for years. And we run Google AdWords. I like Google. You know why? Because when someone goes to Google, they are a hot lead. They're specifically looking for martial arts. Whereas if I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed, I may not necessarily be looking to sign up for martial arts. You see? So I want to be mindful of that. That what do I utilize Facebook for? 
And I really believe it should still go back to square number one, post, like, comment, post, like, comment, social media. I think the essence of social media where we're really communicating and cultivating those tribes are really important. So have your Facebook friends and family page up and running and active, constantly loading up content that's relevant right? That can help educate the parent, that can help endear them to the community, that helps promote a student when they get promoted and different things like that. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. But of course, you have to teach great classes. You have to have a high high performance team trained really well, and you need to create that Disney experience in your environment. That should be a given. So anytime someone says to me, how do I get 10 more students, which is fundamentally, how do I market? I say, well, that's the wrong question. Let me ask a better question. How do you keep the 10 students you currently have? So 10 come in the front door, 10 go out the back. That's a bad day. So the goal really is to close that back door, right? I want to close the back door. You agree with me? Cool. All right. Let me take a look here. I see a question. How do you balance the old school way of teaching to the progressive modern way? That's, that's, that's a real good question, Joe. That's a real, real good question. I think, first of all, understanding what are your values, right? When people say old school, I think of something like respect. Respect isn't old school. Respect was good a thousand years ago. Respect is good today. And respect will be good a thousand years from now. Now, the method we teach in, of course, is much different. When I grew up, a white belt walks through the door. The first thing we do is plant a sidekick in his belly. And if he gets up and comes back the next day, he can hang with us. Well, I don't think that's appropriate today. And I don't think people are soft. When the day's done, I think black belt. What do I want this kid to look like when they're a black belt? Right? Great self-defense, great fitness, great life skills, great person. Right? And then you work backwards. And, and I think that's what confuses people about what I do, especially in Kenpo. You know, they say, well, you've watered down Kenpo. I say, well, no, look at my black belt. So are you happy with them? Yes, I am. Great. So I add things like words. So kids learn the verbiage. I add things like numbers. So my team can teach a form better. And we balance that with strong self-defense. And, you know, the evolution of martial arts can, should always be there without losing that essence, the yin and the yang. You need old school, but old school without progressive methods of teaching is truly lost. It's truly lost. So the yin and the yang need to be there because that old school thinking, just beating the crap out of somebody on the first night is, is not cool. It's simply not cool. It's abusive if you really think about it, right? But everybody thinks, yeah, I got to come back here. And you know that's the way that is. And I remember talking to one of my instructors who you would call old school. And he said, our job is to weed out the weak. And I said, no, no, hold up. Isn't our job to help the weak become strong? But I get it. Back in the day when martial arts was used for war, I don't want to go to war with somebody weak. I want to go to war with somebody strong. So I understand that. But I believe the environment has changed tremendously. And what we're trying to create today, I believe, is something different. Now, there are schools out there that believe they're going to beat you up the first night. It's all about self-defense. You know, they use control and command, military-style tactics, degrade you, humiliate you, do 10 push-ups, yell at you, scream at you. There is that school. And for some people, that works really well, Joe, because some people like being disciplined. Well, I was that person. My father disciplined me. The challenge with that, Joe, is I woke up at 18 years old and moved out, and I didn't have any self-discipline. So I spent the next decade really trying to learn, well, what is self-discipline? 
and finding my footing in that. So I think that there needs to be a balance between the two. And only a great teacher can, can offer you that. Cool? I see a lot of people coming aboard. Please say hello, hello, hello. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it, I dig it. If you have a question, go ahead and put it in the comments there. I see a lot of people here, and I'd love to know who you are and, and, and share that. Conrad, what's happening, sir? Joe, Courtney, Jason. Yeah, Marco. Hey, Ricardo. What's up, Ricardo, sir? What's happening? What's happening? So as you come aboard, please say hello. Share this video with as many people as you can. This this live, I should say. And you're entered into a drawing. And the person's going to win one month of our group mentoring program. Right now, we're working on systems for the next two months. So share this with as many people as you can right now. And you'll be entered automatically in our digital drawing. Cool. What's Ivan from Canada? We got Singapore. We got Canada. Virginia. What's up, Virginia? How's it going? And we got Letitia. We got South Carolina. We've got Wisconsin. We've got Singapore. Man, we've got Canada. How cool is that, folks? How cool is that? You know, this question came across the disruptor group, and I just wanted to address it, right? I think it's important. How does, why does success often feel scary? I think it's a mindset. And, 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 and I don't, don't want to downplay your feelings about that. I, I think success is something we work at. Success is something we cultivate through hard work, good choices, right? So it's not something I should be scared of. And people say, well, if you're not scared, then it's not a big enough goal. Uh, you know, I don't think so. I've been in business for, in my life, I've owned different businesses, grew them, sold them. I've been a small business owner since my 20s. There's nothing scary about it. It's, it's just no different than choosing to go to college and getting a degree and going to work for somebody. It's what you do. And if you do it well, if you think about it, the greatest warriors, the greatest athletes, there's no fear in their eye. They simply execute. And, and that's the point I would love to he hear you get to. I think the success you're experiencing is because you're a young school owner. And, and that's a cool thing because that excitement. But don't allow that fear to paralyze you. If you're afraid, then use courage. Courage is acknowledging I'm afraid, but not allowing that fear to stop me. So I'm going to ask a bigger question. Is that you're afraid or are you insecure? Right? Is that what that is? Really ask yourself that question. Are you afraid people are going to think, wow, the school's growing, but what a crappy martial arts instructor. Is that it? I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know if fear or, or, or being scared would be the right interpretation of that. If I'm a good martial artist and I'm a great teacher because I'm constantly learning and I create a great environment, a great product, and I'm serving the community at the highest level, I would do that with a sense of humility, you know, with a sense of confidence and pride, but definitely no fear involved. So I just wanted to address that because I saw that. And, and for me, that was kind of like, hmm, hmm. Oh, wedding in one week. Yay. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, Sensei Mish, what's happening, folks? All right, let me pop it down. If you got a question, hey, you know, go ahead and put it in there, please. Put the question in there and keep sharing this with folks. So this is a big one. And we all hear this one all the time. And somebody had actually reached out and called me from the East Coast and we had a conversation. So one of my black belts left and opened his own school. We hear that all the time. Now he is taking contracts by undercutting my prices. 
what should I do? Well, the first thing I would ask is if you have a contract, how can somebody take your students if those students are under contract? So if they're under contract, I mean, you could exercise and say, hey, you're under contract. You need to fulfill your contract. You know me, I'm not a contract guy. But if I did have contracts and somebody was under a contract with me and they didn't honor it, I would enforce it because that's why the contract is there to begin with. You're under a contract. You're committed to six months, one year, whatever the case may be. So if you break that contract, I'm going to enforce my right to collect that money. And that's why I don't believe in contracts, because that's not something I would choose to do for my business. We don't do contracts, upgrades, belt testing fees, none of it. We don't even have enrollment fees. We don't have cancellation fees, because I don't believe in it. I believe in the subscription-based model. And with the subscription-based model, it's month to month. You pay as you go. Every class you come to, we earn that business through cultivating the relationship. And if we don't serve you well, then we don't deserve your business. I believe that. So that's the first thing I would look at. Now, this first sentence, one of my black belts left and opened his own school. You know what I'm going to say? It's your own damn fault. Oh, what did, what did Brandon say? Well, because I, I believe, and, and we're all striving to do this, we need to create a company that people want to work for. I believe across the board, most of us don't pay our, our instructors well. And we're working towards it. We're working towards it. As we come out of this pandemic, and I've been working more than ever for the first time in a decade, guess what? I've, I gave my janitor a hug when he came back the other night. I think he thought I was crazy because I've been the janitor. I've been teaching. I've been working 40 hours a week. I've been doing my social media. I've been doing everything, everything, everything. So I have a deeper appreciation for all my people. You know, I'm a grateful as a soul can be, but I have an even deeper sense. So I believe we need to pay our people better. We need to create a company that people want to work for. And if your black belt left you, well, you should have been heading that thing off the past years ago going, you know what? Let's open a school together, right? I understand you want to make more money. We'll profit share. I'll put up the money. Well, we have a, you know, an established name, the whole nine yards. I would have worked out some type of deal. So this black belt didn't just leave and open his own school. I would have happily opened a school for him. And then, of course, I would go back because if I point one finger at him, I have three pointed back at myself. I would want to look at those three fingers and ask myself, you know, do I have a company that people want to work for? Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. People do not wake up, right, and decide I want to make Brandon a lot of money. But they do wake up and say, how can I help people live their best life? They do do that. And if I can pay them well, make sure I have competitive pay, a 401k. Right? We have a safe harbor plan where we match our employees up to 3% of their salary. Vacation with pay for, for the top people, some kind of medical allowance is important. Uh, room for advancement and a competitive wage. We're in good shape. We're in really good shape. So that's my goal. I want everybody making top dollar in my business. You know, the key players, the people that, that are loyal. You know, I learned a lot about loyalty through the pandemic. And, and with people that weren't loyal to me and, and how much that hurt me as a person and what loyalty means to me, not only emotionally and spiritually and mentally, but also monetary. People say you can't buy loyalty. You can't. But if somebody is loyal to you and they're great for your team and your culture, do everything you can to take care of them. Everything, everything. So what should I do now? I think I, I've shared it. First thing I would do is let it go. Let it go. 
Most of the data in our industry proves that we turn over 50% of our student body every two years, right? So whatever students he takes, go out on the mat and teach a better class, right? Go clean your bathroom. Go create a better school. Go paint the wall. Change the mats. Train your team better. Create an experience 10 times better than you possibly could have taught him and go from there. Because the fact that people are leaving you, you know, for him, I don't believe it's just price, sir. I don't believe it's just price. I think one of the reasons they're leaving because they like this instructor better. Now, we know we're always going to have that in our school, but I want to make sure we train everybody to be an A instructor, to be an A instructor. So no matter who steps on that mat, we're delivering that Disney experience. I use that analogy and I'll use it again. When I go into my favorite restaurant, I order my favorite dish. They make it the way I like, I come back again. I go a second time, there's a different cook. He doesn't make my dish the way I like it. Oh, doubt, I don't trust you. I might give you a third opportunity. And if that doesn't happen, I'm out the door. I'm out the door, right? So I want to be mindful of that. I would look at my systems. I would look at my processes and ask myself, do all my instructors teach at the same level? And if they don't, I would make sure that they do through proper instructor training. So those are all the things I would do, all of it, all of it, all of it. But if somebody wants to leave you, that's, I wouldn't take that personal. I would say it's my own damn fault for not taking care of this instructor to the point where he doesn't want to leave, opening him a school, having better systems, creating relationships so people are loyal, right? It goes on and on and on, on and on, on and on. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Hey, quick break here. So all of our Success Never Sleep episodes, now they're on podcasts. That's right. Marco will post it in there. We are at Apple. We're at um, Shop, uh, Spotify. We're at Stitcher. I think we're at a bunch of places. Marco will post it in there. So what's neat now is you don't have to see my ugly mug. You can just listen to me. <laughs> you can just listen to me. So we're posting up some of the past episodes and all these new ones that we're cultivating now will end up on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what's up, Jim and Connie? Pamela. Hey, Pamela. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So do enjoy the podcast of our show as it is now there. Cool? All right. So this is a big one that's coming across the table. How do you write an email flow when a new student, when, how do you write an email flow when a new student who just signed up? Okay. You guys get what he's saying, right? So fundamentally, the student just signed up, right? In our school, the first month is $99 in a uniform. Then it automatically charges them either once a week at $169 or twice a week at $209 a month. So that's our process. So I get, then I go back and ask myself, what do I want this student to know in week one? Week one, I want them to have already downloaded the app. Now, most of them have because they can't sign up for the one free class without doing it through the app. They can't. They can't. And that's what we offer people now. And it's really, really clear. So what we want to do is make sure that they're downloading that app. So I want to make sure in that email, have you downloaded the app? 
What's another thing? I want to make sure they have access to the curriculum videos, right? So I'm going to share that in the email. What else do I need to happen? Well, I might have specialty events, parents' night out, things like that. What else might be happening? Well, I have a parents' night out. I mean, uh, camps coming up, on and on. So I really want to ask myself without inundating them with mindless fodder is what do I really want to share with that new student in the first month to create a relationship? So think about the foundation. What is the foundation of a good relationship? Number one is communication. And when the day's done, does it matter? Day one, week two, week three, week four. I don't believe so, so much as it is the proper content and the proper subject line. Because if your stuff is getting thrown into spam and all those different things, that doesn't help. So that's why having them within the app, I often will like to do a push notification. Hey, have you checked your emails? We want to make sure we're not ending up in your spam folder, right? We're sending you great tips and, and stuff to get the most out of your program. Oh, let me check. And then they'll make sure you're not going into spam because we get that one a lot. So that would be on our list, making sure you're getting our emails and not going into your spam folder, making sure you're watching the curriculum videos, making sure that you know about um, our retail store so you can buy t-shirts and stuff. I mean, we don't have a front desk anymore in Millbrae. Somebody walked in the other day. Can I buy a t-shirt? I said, absolutely. Just take out your phone, go on the app, pay for it in, in that little shopping cart. That's the retail store and grab a t-shirt from the pro shop. It's that simple. Somebody was in yesterday who had signed up for the uh, one free class and they go, great. How do we sign up? Awesome. I gave them a handout because we have no front desk. And I said, you sign up again through the app, you choose your membership and the uniforms are right there. Wow. It's so simple. So it's really not... The frequency. I mean, I don't think there's no strategy. I remember I, I took one thing with Ryan Levesque and they said, day one, day three, day five, day seven. I was once called a thought. I opted in for Russell Bronson PDF. And I kid you not, I got like 20, 25 emails in about three days. It's crazy. And I know they're trying to make an emotional connection. So the first one was, congratulations, you rock. You know, if you want this PDF, then do da-da-da-da-da. Next one, did I say something wrong? Next one, oh, you're not an action taker, huh? So they're trying to push my emotional buttons in any way that they could to get me to engage. I get it, right? You want engagement. That's what we're trying to do with social media. They want engagement. So I believe there is a better way. And it's what's unique to your culture and your why and what you do. Just think as any other human being. Do you want, you know, 20 emails in, in two or three days? I don't think so. Would you like one well-crafted email saying, welcome to our school to help us serve you best? Please download the app and then give them a why because there you can access curriculum videos, et cetera, et cetera, and have a link. I think that's awesome. Follow that up with a welcome postcard, right? Maybe a week into it. Because everybody wants to tie their own belt. I noticed that. The parents want that. So I'm thinking now, maybe in the second email, to send them a link to the belt tying video. Right? Again, that's just data we're gathering. And I noticed as we're opened up, more and more people you know, want to know how to tie the belt. And we like to say, well, we like to tie the belt because it gives us a chance to say hi to the kids one-on-one. -on -one. But you know what I'm realizing? The parent being able to tie the belt is no different than the parent being able to tie their kid's shoes. They feel like they're taking care of their child and it's empowering. Oh, 
So what would it be like at the end of the class for the last five minutes? Today, we're not going to do dodgeball. Come on out, parents. All of you come out. We're going to teach you how to tie your kid's belt. On and on, on and on. But it's really about always mining that data. And then don't get so hung up on, well, should it be day one or day six or day two or day three? Just do it. Be responsible. Be responsible in how often you send those emails. Cool. I know that's kind of a really roundabout esoteric answer, but you know me. When this thing's over, I don't want you to listen to me. I don't want you to listen to anybody. Figure it out for yourself. You're a small business owner. That's what's empowering. See, the big thing is if you do it my way and don't succeed, you can blame me on your failure. See, I embrace failure like part of success. I'm cool with it. I'm totally cool with it. So I like to go out there and make mistakes. I like to go out there because I learn so much from every mistake that I make. And failure is part of success. And any successful person will tell you that. Just read about Steve Jobs. You know how many times he failed with this computer and this device and that? He failed a lot. And that just comes with it. See, but what we do, and I get it, and and I got to go off a tangent just for a moment. You stand in line like a white belt, Right? And you look at your instructor and all you want to do is please them. How many push-ups? How many sit-ups? Yes, I'll pay you. You want to up? Oh, wow, great. I get to be in your black belt club and pay you more money. Oh, and I get to clean the school for free. Oh, yes. And I get to do birthday parties for free. Right on. And then one day you're thrown to the wolves to go out there and run your own martial arts school. And you're going, "Uh, teacher, teacher, tell me what to do. And you've got to change hats. You've got to get a different skill set. So when it... If you want to write a great email flow, start writing it. Put it out there. If you get crickets in the night and it sucks, rewrite it. And if it doesn't get you to get the results you want, rewrite it again. Take a course. There's so many courses online that really are credible and you can learn so much. But if you don't empower yourself, then you're always going to be at the mercy of somebody. Cool? Are you with me? Anybody with me on that? Give me some kind of emojis. Tell me you're going, yes. Thank you, Ricardo. I guess I'm not that ugly. Ricardo said, I enjoy seeing your face, but the podcast. Yeah, the podcast could be cool because you can listen it in the car. You can do it when you're on the treadmill. So that's why we chose to move to a podcast platform as well, right? So you can take advantage. It's, it's on all of them. Marco put it in there. Spotify, iTunes, I think the Apple Store, all of that. All of that, right? Yeah, I, I mean, the process of discovery to me is just so fun. It's so, so fun. And being a business owner through that process of trial and error, we really do learn who we are and why we're here. And it's so empowering to figure stuff out. It's just so empowering. And, and, and I don't want you to not embrace that concept. Cool? So here's the next question. And go ahead. Put, hey, if you have questions, put them in there. Hey, Adam. I didn't know you were there. Adam, sir, what's happening? Make sure I'm not missing your questions here. Good. If you have a question here, go ahead and put it in the comments and I'll do my best to get to them. So what type of games do you do at your school? Well, I believe, and and when you talk about your format, right? Let's talk about the format we have at One Martial Arts. We do the warm-up, the stretch, 30-second meditation, life talk. We don't save the life talk for the end of class. That is not a good way to finish a class. Whatever the last thing you did in class, 
That's what the child remembers. And that's what determines if they want to come back or not. I don't want to end with a live talk because I want all the parents in the room to hear it. That's why you have the student and parent discovery sheet. That's why you have the coloring sheet right? With the kids of life skills that goes home with them. That's why they have the badge. So that drop off and pick up parent, they'll get it. They'll just get it in a different format, right? So everyone strategically does their live talk or their match at at the end of class, because that's when the most people in the room, and that's when they believe they're promoting value. I say, nay, nay, get that live talk done in the beginning, right? And our live talks are one minute in and out scripted. So the kids finish your sentences. Pay attention means look with your, and all the kids shout out, I, sir, right? So do your life talk in the beginning. And then what games do we use at the end? What is a standard game? Dodgeball. But please get neoprene dodgeballs. I saw somebody the other day using those hard, you know, red rubber ones we used to use in junior high that would hurt like heck, right? And then be mindful of, of again, proper matching and pairing. You don't want some 10-year-old nailing a seven-year-old in class. Again, you want to be mindful because that's not fun. I'm petrified. I will never go up to the line and throw that dodgeball. I'm going to live in the back. That's a very popular one because you want games you can set up fast where they're exhausting energy and they walk out of there huffing and puffing. So dodgeball is a good one for that. Another one is zombie tag. Zombie tag, simply they get the, you know, the person who's a zombie is the one down on all fours. Everybody else is running around. So the person on all four tags you, you become a zombie too. Again, it's fast pace. It burns a lot of energy. The kids are walking out of there huffing and puffing. And we know fitness right now is really, really big. So you want to think of games you can set up quickly that are still somewhat martial arts based most of the time. And you want to make sure that um, it's something the kids are safe, but they're getting that fitness value. Black belt defender is another one we love. We put a cone in the middle of the floor. This guy's got a noodle. He guards the cone. If somebody touches the cone before he can tag them with the noodle, they get to be the black belt defender. That's another fun one. But in a big class of 20 to 30, make sure you got four or five of those, right? And separate them by age or belt level, whatever you choose. Cool? And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have so many games so many games now. But let me share this one. This has been really big for us. We started in our distance learning camp. We do it in the day camps and we'll do it today because there's no classes out there. We take all of our wave master bags and we roll them out and lay them on their sides and put them on top of each other and create this jungle gym. Then we gut the rack. Every pad, no RNE sticks or, or knives or anything, but we gut it with all the noodles and pads. And these kids build forts, they climb, they play, they do, you know, Ninja Warrior, they just have all this fun. And you have all this existing gear and they can do that for hours. I kid you not. So that free play is what I'm going to call it. Free play is vital to creativity. Free play is vital to self-expression and socialization. So you can't really do that in the last five minutes of a class, but I'm sharing for the other things you do, parents' night out, your camps, things like that. That time of free play has been crucial and the kids just love it. They love it. They love it. Cool. So that's that. Again, it's just some of them. And and I'm sure everybody here can post that our disruptor group, your favorite games, share it here in your comments. It's all good. All right. So let me take a look. Who's got any questions there? I see a lot of people sitting there. I want you to say hello. Put in your name. Tell me the name of your school. Where are you tuning in from? I appreciate that. And I would appreciate you if you could do that for us, please. 
All right, let me do a quick commercial break here. Again, I want to thank my sponsors, my studio, Kids Love Life Skills and LC Accounting. Three disruptors in our industry, and I'm going to say that passionately, that really look to serve people. And the only way we can do that is through innovation, utilizing technology and balancing it with old school and all the rest. But if you're not using technology, then you're way, way out. I can't believe people still use Rolodex cards. People are still using Excel spreadsheets to track their finances and stuff. Everything we do is through an app. We're out in a parking lot. We pull out our phone, go to memberships. People buy a membership. It's so normal. It's so acceptable, right? Somebody said, well, that's bad customer service. I said, no, we serve on the mat. That's where we do the main work. Nowadays, think you buy airline tickets online. I don't talk to anybody. I buy tickets for a concert. I don't talk to anybody. I book a hotel. I don't talk to anybody, right? Think of some of these top companies that are out there doing it. We run Facebook ads as school owners. Have you ever talked to anybody at Facebook? No, this is admin stuff. Now, if it gets escalated, of course, you want to have a place where they can talk to somebody human, but we have no front desk. I want to take the front desk out completely and put up some kiosks and have it set up really cool so people understand when they come in, this is how we do business now. And I think it's powerful. I mean, we've already ran that way. We don't have a program director. We don't have offices. We haven't for years. So this is just a natural progression. But we better be really good at saying hi at the front door. We better be really good at talking to people and doing those different things, right? And the money you save, the money you save on front desk, you better be giving that back to your team and not sticking it in your pocket. Hey, Nicholas, what's happening from Oklahoma? Hero Martial Arts. Chris, Chris Levitt, Levitt, Levitt. I hope I'm saying that right, sir. Hello from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, Jim and Connie, you need to post a kiosk video. I asked you for that. Remember, put that in a disruptor group. Show us how you use your kiosk because I really believe that's the future. I walk to a trampoline place with my kids, kiosk. I walk into the bouncy house place with my kids, kiosk, right? There's somebody still there if, if I need a human being, but the majority of it's done through technology, through a kiosk. We're going to get to the point where it's the same way. And make no mistake, these kids are tech savvy enough, most of them to take their own attendance. It's grown a lot. It's changed so, so much. So again, thank you to all of my sponsors. All right. And it's time life change. I'm so excited. We already got the 20 spots booked, but we were able to open up seven more spots. So if you want to come out for four days, join us. If you want to come for two, we also have the two day. The two day is available too as well. And the two day, you will still get Sam on. So I'm very grateful to say that on the two day experience, you get Sam on. And so that's cool, right? So come stay for four days or come for the two days. Both are available. Marco just posted it there in the comments for you. All right, let me look and see what other questions we have. Here's a great one. We use Japanese terminology to describe techniques. Okay, but it does not seem to interest most students. How do I inspire them to want to learn this part of our art? So the first thing is, why? Is it important to you or do you truly believe it's important to your students? And if it's the latter or both, it's really important to you. Then I could use things in social media posts like, did you know kids who know a second language have a higher IQ, right? Studies have proven that. There's a lot of data. Learning a second language is fun. 
So you have to make it fun. If I'm giving them a bunch of handouts or a handbook on terminology or this or that, and I'm sitting there as a kid going, front kick is Gucci Tori. Well, what the, and I can't even pronounce it, right? So I'm chopping up this name. I'm feeling insecure. That's funky. But imagine if I did a Sesame, Sesame Street type video where I'm in this video and I go, front kick, and I throw a kick front kick and I throw a kick and then I do it. I say front kick. And as I kick, it pops up the word in Japanese, whatever that means, you know, Gucci Tori. I'm just making up. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't know. Does no one, can someone tell me what front kick is in Japanese? What's the Japanese terminology for front kick? Cause I don't want to be rude and I feel like I'm being rude. Okay. So uh, could you see that? I say front kick and then boom, the word pops up on the screen and then it has phonetically it's said in Japanese. I think that's cool, right? Imagine if I have a lineup, everybody goes down the row. I say front kick and the first kid, you know, everybody's kicking, but the first kid kicks and says it in Japanese. I say front kick, everybody kicks. And the second kid says it in Japanese. So I go down the whole line. And if everybody in this lineup can say front kick in Japanese, the head instructor will do 10 pushups. Yay. Who wants to see the head instructor do 10 pushups, right? It's my Gary. Is that right? My Gary, like May, M-A-Y or M-I? Getty. Getty is G-E-R-I. Am I saying that correct? Someone tell me if I'm not done, just chopping that up. Good. Okay. My Getty. My Getty. My Gary. My Gary. I mean, someone's going to be listening to the podcast and go, what the hell is this guy talking about? So there you go. Right. That's another. One. So if I say front kick and the whole class kicks and the first kid goes, my Getty. Second person, front kick, my giddy, but everybody's kicking, right? If everybody can say the Japanese terminology, I'll do 10 push-ups. If not, you guys do 10 push-ups. There's another way. What if we do a great coloring sheet, right? A great coloring sheet of it. There's another way. I mean, we could go on and on and on with that. But I think just giving people written material or putting it in a handbook, thank you, Steph, is just horrible, right? It's horrible. Especially in today's culture. So we know video is king. You could have so much fun with that. Remember in Sesame Street, two people are facing each other sideways. And I would see the word come out of this side, my. And then from this side, this side would go Gary. My Gary. My Gary. My Gary. Yay. You know, there's so many ways you can do that through social media and posts. You could have a TV screen running in your school doing that, right? There's so many ways to do that to make it fun and exciting. I, I don't believe... If you like the Japanese terminology, you should drop it. I just think you need to teach it in an age-specific and relevant way for today's young people. Everybody with me on that? Give me some love on that. All right, let's see if I've covered all these questions. Cool. I think I've covered the majority of these questions. So post your questions. Let, let's wrap up the show together. Give me some love. Throw in some questions for me, rock stars. What you got? What you got? What you got? Hmm. Let me take a deep breath. I feel like a rapper. If that's what a rapper would, I'm just like pop, 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 pop. So another thing that came across the wire is, you know, one of my um, 
partners, friends, clients I've worked with just broke 150 students. And I know for some people that that's not much. It's not a big deal. But this person's been around with a school, I believe, for like 15 years now, a long, long time. So to finally move that needle to 150 is a big deal. And I'm so passionate about the small school owner because I cut my teeth as a small business owner. You guys know that. I tell the story all the time, sweeping in my grandma's restaurants, working up until I could cook, running my dad's karate school. I've owned small businesses since my 20s. I'm a third generation small business owner. And I find that business owner who's been around for a decade or more that's stuck at 100 students, that's the biggest challenge because it's mainly them their mindset, their skill set. And if they can shift those things, they can move. And so this person's finally made 150. And I'm very grateful for that. We worked on their brand, their colors, everything. Their school looks great, on and on and on. But I, I think the reason I bring that up, and I want to share that with you passionately, is that success is not overnight. It is not overnight. When someone says he's an overnight success, that's such a misconception. Anything great is built over time, right? It simply is. It's built over time. Keep those questions coming, please. I'd love to have a few more questions to wrap this up. And so I said that to them. I'm, I'm very proud, but I'm more, I'm grateful for you. I'm super grateful because you stuck it out, right? I think as a culture of instant gratification, we want the quick fix. So you think if I give this guy $1,000 a month, he's going to fix everything for me. No, they're not. They're going to take your $1,000. That's the long and the short of that. So I want to be ever mindful of that. And for me, it's real, real important that I help the small business owner think infinite, right? Conrad turned me on to a great book, The Infinite Way by Simon Sinek. And, you know, of course, it was a little bit, I have to admit, I'm biased because he said, hey, I'm reading this book. It's a lot of what, what, what you know, Brannon says. And as I got into this book, it just resonated with me on so many levels, so many levels. See, the finite game is what do I get out of this today? The finite game is I have to pay rent this month. The finite game is I want a new car and I want it now. The infinite game is creating a business that's going to be there long after you're dead and gone. Long after you're dead and gone. Well, your students become the owners and they run it on and on. The infinite game is that I want to invest in a relationship long-term. So I'm willing to give a lot to share that this relationship is worth something of value, right? And this person did that. They gave free birthday parties. They give more than they possibly were being paid for. And it's now finally panning out for them. And, and it's been a hard you know, road to hoe, right? Steph has one. I have one. One of my students moved two to three hours away to Philly. Him and I talked on the phone the other day. We're still good friends. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Why wouldn't you still be good friends? You should be great friends, right? Two to three hours away. And he looks up to me as a mentor. So out of the blue, he says, Steph, I want your blessing to open up a martial arts academy. He's far away. It's fine with me. However, how do I tell them that with his mindset, he will not make it? He was the one who dislocated, sprained, and fractured my ankle. It would be cool if he would carry on the art, but I think it's a lawsuit waiting to happen on his side. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, that's extremely old school, right? He's asking for your blessing. That's trippy, right? I don't need anyone's blessing to do anything that I do, nor do I ask for anybody's blessing. I thank God for blessing me, but I don't ask anybody for their blessing. So I hear you. His mindset is really fixed in that way, Steph, right? So um, I would be just rigorously honest. If he looks to you as a mentor, Steph, I don't think you should pull any punches, right? And if he's that kind of person who, who runs old school like that, then maybe you need to tell him straight with love and kindness, but tell him straight. Yeah. 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 Tell him, go ahead. Right. Yeah. He does good. I'm glad you said that stuff. That sounds more like you, right? That sounds more like you than him. But um, I would tell him Steph. I would tell him straight, sir. I know you really well. And, and, and I want to see you succeed instead of saying, you know, go ahead. Right. And you think it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Share with them. If you want to run a successful school, then you should do A, B, and C. Right. But if it's, it's his mindset, that's a different thing, Steph, then that's a whole nother subject. How do you get him to cultivate a learning and growth mindset so that he's open to new learning and new ways instead of spraining, dislocating somebody's freaking ankle? Right right? Because he will. He'll hurt his students. They'll quit. And it'll either be a lawsuit or his school will fail. So if he truly wants to open a school, I would share with him what it takes, what that means. It's not no longer being a student where you can you know, beat the crap and go home out of somebody. You're now the owner. You're now, this is your bread and butter and all of that. You know, Yeah. He's very hardcore on everyone. And a lot of people think that's, that's the way to do it. I get it. When I first opened my school 20 plus years ago, I taught like my dad for a minute, right? White belt, sidekick to the ribs, boom. Hey, if you come back tomorrow, you can train. I get it. I get it. And it's so counterproductive because it's humiliating. It's debilitating. And it's just simply not cool. It's not cool when the day's done, right? And I remember, uh, and, and, and I know I've shared this story. I got cut size 16 shoe. I walked into his elbow. Cause you know, when we sparred growing up, there were no weight divisions. You spar whoever's in front of you. So I was sparring in the class and I got cut again in my left eye. I'm sitting there getting stitched up. And I think it was my wife. She said, how long are you going to do this? I said, what do you mean? How long are you going to keep, you know, ending up in hospitals and sparring? I was in my forties. And I said, that's what I know. I've been doing it since I was five. She goes, well, but you don't win. And I got all defensive. I go, what do you mean? I don't win. I have over 150 championships. Da, 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 da. And she said, no, no. If you hurt somebody in the school, you look bad. If you get hurt, you look bad. And that's when my mindset really shifted to become a great teacher. You know, still trained for me, but stop this upping people on my floor and having to prove I'm the master and you're the lowly student because I always held back in teaching my people the great stuff. Well, they might leave and open up a school down the street. So what? You want to do what we do? Go for it. More power to you, right? So I don't hold back. I give people everything. If you know me, I give people everything, everything, everything. And I think that's a healthy way to live. Yeah. Yep. Jim and Connie, his first school in 1986 was full. 25 members of killers, right? Made no money. He was one of my first 17 years ago where I still trained my own trainers stuff. And that was hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but when we talk about making money, Steph, I think that's relative, right? You know, Bill Gates makes, I don't know, something like a billion dollars a day, right? To him, that's making money. For some people, making $100 a month is making money. I think that part is relative. I think what we're really talking about is, is are we living by our values? And I talk to people all the time, like, you know, John Hackleman. I love that guy. He's from the Pitmaster, right? Chuck Liddell's coach. He believes in teaching people how to defend themselves, right? That's what he lives and dies by. And that's cool. That's his way of doing things. And for him, that fits his value system. And he's cool with it, right? And he, he, he makes a good enough living where he's happy, right? So I think that's what you have to ask yourself. Me, I want to take care of my team. That requires us to do over $2 million a year. We figured out, because I, I want to give everybody really big raises. And we realize where we need to be at is $80,000 per location each month, each month where my guys are just sitting pretty, right? And we were close to that. Think about it. That's 160,000 times 12. What does that add up to, right? Do the math. So it's really important. Yeah, and we're still tough though. After all, we're not playing chess. I understand that, Steph. I understand that. I really, really do. But you know where I am in my point, in this point in life at 59 years old, I don't need to stand toe-to-toe with anybody, right? I don't. Unless you're coming through my front door of my house, and that's a different day because I don't like guns. It's just not my thing. I have an Arnie stick by my bed. I've got a knife. You know, I'm going to even the playing field. I got to protect my family. I don't know how many people are coming through that window or that door. So I think it's important to understand there's nothing noble about war. There isn't anything. It's not a samurai movie. The truth is it's ugly. You hurt somebody, you get hurt. That's the long and short. And if you've ever been lying in a fetal position with four guys kicking you in the head and the body, it's no fun. And I have grown up in the streets and there's nothing fun about it. You know, it's not like point break, right? Someone kicks you point break. No, this guy's going to beat you until you're unconscious. So I really want to be mindful of that, 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 and I tell that to young people because I suffer today. I've plantar fascia in one foot. I've got a bad knee. I have floaters in this eye, Right the beginning of a detached retina. I have TMJ. I got to wear a splint. I saw, I feel like I'm on an airplane all the time and my ears want to pop. I, I can tell you, I got so many injuries, right? I got a hairline fracture and a clavicle that never goes away. Just is what it is. So I tell these young guys who are proud that they're getting the third ACL surgery and stuff that you're going to hate it when you're older. I'll be 60 next year. I'm going to tell you, those injuries are a big bummer now. They're a big bummer. But I get it. We're young. We're invincible. We feel that, that we're going to be able to do that forever. So I think that's the big thing to share with him. You know, if you want to be a fighter and continue to do what you do, I don't think opening a school will be the best idea. I think maybe it's a better idea that you just train, keep a day job, and do it as a hobby. But if you really want to do this and you do have a certain amount of value, then maybe create a program that works with that, that works with that, right, for his mindset. Can it be profitable? I don't know. Fight Club made a lot of money, but that was a movie, right? That was a lot of money. Nobody in that movie looked like, you know, they were rich executives. They looked like a bunch of guys that had a lot of time on their head. Yeah. You get a lot of injuries, Steph. You got a lot of injuries. I know that. And I pray for you every time you post one at Facebook and it's no fun. So I don't want to sit there and have somebody pay me top dollar so I can break his ribs. I don't. I want to bring them in safely, keep them engaged, but 
When the moment's right, teach them a sense of reality so they can defend themselves. That's important too. I get it. I get it. Cool. So we're going to wrap this big dog up. So if you share today's show with, with, with people, you're entered into our drawing to win one month of our group mentoring. Cool. And then remember, we now have all our shows are on a podcast. That's right. On a podcast. So you can see us on, I believe, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, the Apple Store. There's a bunch of different places we have that, right? Yeah, Jackie Chan's all jacked up. He's got so many injuries. I get it. Jackie Chan's got so many injuries. So thanks for that post. So we have that coming up. So if you want to listen to it and you won't have to see my mug, then you can definitely uh, watch our podcast. It's Time Life Change, as I shared, November 13th through 16th. California's on a roll. We have herd immunity in San Francisco. No more masks outdoors, just indoors. By the time November rolls around, I think we're going to be sitting good. So we know the event's going to happen. We have 20 people booked, another seven spots opened for the four-day experience. We're also offering the two-day experience right now. And for that, we can take up to 50 right? There's no limits in, in our facility. I believe that's only going to continue to grow for us. So we're going to have a full event for its time life change. And change is appropriate. We've been through so many changes in the year and a half. There's a lot more changes coming. And it's, it's true. And, and the innovators, the disruptors see that. We see what martial arts schools are going to look like three to five years from now. And it, it is not the same as it was pre-pandemic. So think about joining us for that. Cool. One more time, let me thank all my sponsors, my studio, Kids of Life Skills, LC Accounting. I love all three of these companies. If you're not using them, please at least do your research. Check them out. Check them out. Worth your time. Definitely worth your time. And now I've got to expand this one, Marco. We've got to add all of our, our podcasts on here. But you'll find me at YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, the Disruptor Group page, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter. We're everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. So do follow me everywhere that you can. Cool? All right, Marco, let's do this, sir. Who is our winner today? Who is our winner of the one free month of group mentoring? And make sure whoever wins, we get them over to Chris and get them into our group mentoring. I think we had a winner last week too, right? I hope we got them aboard. Who's that winner, Marco? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. There it is. Today's winner is Ricardo, Ricardo Almonte, sir. You get to be part of our group mentoring. It's a good time to join, right? I mean, it's only $99 a month, but it's a good time to join folks because we are working on systems. And I say that all the time. A systems-driven business is a pathway to success. Read the book E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's one of the books that really enlightened me. On, on why systems are so valuable and moving from a personality-driven business to a systems-driven business has been vital, vital to my success. Cool, cool, cool. All right. What a good day it's been. I hope everybody's had a really good time. I know I have. I have. I have. Um, 